Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome back to Health Matters Radio. Dr. Ned Hoke today, joined by Dr. David Burns, the author of Feeling Great. And uh, David has been a very, very active member of the cognitive behavioral therapy world, and uh, he's got a lot to tell us today, so I'm hoping everybody will pay close attention, because there's, there's many things that David has, that, and also many accesses, points that he has um, in, in terms of his websites, in terms of other places, so I hope, hope you'll play, pay close attention. So David, thank you for joining with us today. Thank you, Ned, for having me on. I'm excited and honored to be on your show. Great. Well, I'm, it isn't often that I that I allow myself to use the interview questions that the people send me, but th- this one's a good one. This, the first one is, nearly 40 years after the release of your groundbreaking bestseller, uh, Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy, what inspired or compelled you to write Feeling Great? the revolutionary new treatment for depression and anxiety? Thanks. <laughs> that, that's a great question. Uh, the, the, the book, Feeling Good, is still a bestseller. It's uh, typically number one on the depression bestseller list on Amazon, and it's still healing people who are depressed. Uh, the editor, or the publisher, I should say, asked me if I would revise it. Uh, because there's been all this new developments since I've been at Stanford, uh, new ultra-rapid techniques that I didn't have when I wrote Feeling Good. That was kind of the technology of that early 1980s, uh, mid-1970s, when cognitive therapy was first created. And I looked at the book. I hadn't looked at it for 40 years, and I was shocked. It was just beautiful and interwoven, and it didn't need changing. It would have been criminal to to revise that that book. It's just like just like new, really. And so I, I decided instead, because there have been so many new developments since I wrote Feeling Good, just to to write a new book. And that that's why I wrote I wrote Feeling Feeling Great. And and like Feeling Good, it's it's for the general public for people who were depressed and anxious. So you can overcome those feelings, typically, and hopefully without medications, and perhaps without even having to go to a go to a therapist. Um, but it's also for therapists who want to learn these new techniques. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like it is that because as I as I looked at it, my first thought of it, as I looked at, it, I thought, oh, oh, here we go. This is. The power of positive thinking on steroids, but then, but then I looked at it a little bit more carefully, and I realized, no, no, this is this is a whole lot more than that. And so, um, 
maybe a place to start would be tell our listeners a little bit about why cognitive behavior therapy and positive thinking are really sort of different animals or however you choose yeah, it. Yeah, when, when I, um, you know, I, I was a psychopharmacology person at Penn after my psychiatric residency, and I was doing research on this uh, chemical imbalance theory of depression. Right. And I was just disgusted because I was giving out bucket loads of antidepressants, and I didn't see much change in people. I I didn't see hardly anyone going from depression to joy. And then I, I heard about... Uh, Aaron Beck's weekly seminar on this thing he had created uh, based on the work of Albert Ellis, cognitive therapy, that he was saying that thoughts cause depression, negative thoughts, and that you could change those thoughts. You could train patients to think differently or to crush those thoughts, and the depression would go away. And I thought the same as you. This is like the power of positive thinking. This is some BS. (laughs) <laughs> and it, right. it couldn't possibly work. My, my patients are suicidal, you know, they're severe. Uh, but I, I decided to go to his weekly seminar and try the techniques on some of my most difficult patients just to prove to myself that they wouldn't work. And then they did work. The patients started recovering like, like popcorn, and they weren't just getting less depressed. They were getting completely undepressed and, and feeling joy. And and that was, you know, my first exposure to what was new at the time, cognitive therapy. There, there were only maybe five or six cognitive therapists in the world when I started attending his, ther- his uh, seminar. And I just got, and I, I left the university. I said, I, I had money for, for a laboratory to study uh, brain serotonin metabolism but I didn't want it because I knew that chemical imbalance theory was a false theory. We had proven that it was not the cause of depression. And I, did, I didn't want to stay in the university getting grants and doing research on something I knew would go nowhere and treating patients with techniques that weren't, weren't helping them. And, and so I left the university. I stayed on the voluntary faculty and committed my life to developing, in the early days, cognitive therapy and popularizing that. And then more recently, we, we finally moved back to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area from Philadelphia. We kind of got trapped there for 20 years because we couldn't afford to come home to California because the real estate got so expensive. Right. But we finally managed to come home, and now I'm on the voluntary uh, faculty at Stanford, and I run a weekly training group for Bay Area therapists. It's free of charge. Any therapists who want to get improved training can come to this, this weekly training. We're going to have it, have it tonight, as a matter of fact. And that has been a fantastic adventure for the last 20 years, and we've developed incredible new techniques, radically different from the techniques in my first book, Feeling Good, but complementary. Mm-hmm. What they've done, I mean, you talk about steroids, and feeling great really is cognitive therapy on steroids because of this new uh, positive uh, reframing technique that we've developed to bring the patient's resistance to conscious awareness. And by resistance, you know, we all want to change. We all want to feel better. We all want to diet or or whatever and lose weight or, or get over our social anxiety or shyness. But everyone has mixed feelings about change. And 
if you can learn to deal with that and eliminate the patient's negative feelings about recovery, then patients will recover typically in speeds that if you told me 15 years ago, I said you were a fraud. But I generally now, if I'm treating someone, like I'm going to treat someone with severe depression in, in uh, life, and it's a teaching thing in tonight's group, and the odds are overwhelming because I know she's going through some horrible traumas right now, and she'll be probably sobbing at the start of the session, and by the end, she'll be laughing and, and joyous. She'll not only have recovered completely, in all likelihood, she'll go into a state almost like a euphoria or, or enlightenment. And that's what the new tools and feeling greater about. It, it, it's the, the making the capacity, it possible to have ultra-fast recovery uh, from even from decades of uh, failed therapy for depression or obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, anxiety d d disorders. Uh, it, it's it, the, the new approaches are they're 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 really they're amazing they're they're hard to believe but uh I, you know I, actually ninety percent of the time when I work with someone they recover completely in one session wow it has to be a two hour session I can't do it in forty five minutes but it it almost always happens in you know two hours or an hour and a half or something like that and it's so much fun too to see people in the old days like well before we had cognitive therapy <laughs> right. it was it was months or years people right. would come and talk 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 and nothing would happen then we got cognitive therapy right. and they get better in like 15 weeks now with the new team therapy they're recovering in one one session uh, for the most part well david w reading your work um What's remarkable to me is the cheerfulness that you bring to it. And so the way you're speaking now um, sort of augments that that sense that I have that you have a a cheerful attitude toward this whole yeah. this whole yeah. this whole process, which I think is 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 so infectious as I, as I start to read your work, I myself have been a therapist for over forty years, and I was a I can't say I was a student of Fritz Perls, but I spent a lot of time with Fritz Perls when I lived at Esalen for a couple of years. And, oh, and Esalen, you were down there? Yeah, for a couple of years when, when Fritz was there. And oh, fantastic. It, it was really wonderful. And, 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 to, and one of the things that Fritz used to talk about was anxiety is, anxiety is excitement, he would say. And, yeah, that's, that's a good way to look at it. And, and he had a, a lot of interesting, very clever ways of, of bringing in you, I, I, you probably are familiar with this technique, you know, the empty chair technique and, and those kinds mm -hmm. of things. And he had a wonderful way of creating this repartee, emotional repartee that you could have with yourself and sort of disown parts of yourself and so on. But what he didn't have, which I think you have, as I read, as I read your work, I haven't, like I say, I haven't settled into it very deeply, but as I, it appears to me that what you have is really a way of integrating... Um, uh, what what you could discover in terms of about yourself? You can and in, in the, all the lists that you have. And, and at first, when I looked at your lists, and I thought to myself, "Oh no, here's another group of lists." But your lists are very functional, and they're very useful. So let's maybe let's sort of turn into the direction of talking about what team means in terms yeah. of in terms of your work. So let's yeah. let's start let's 
let's start with that. But we're going to need to be take a break in just a couple of minutes. So don't give it all away for the first couple of minutes. Let's it's going to it's going to take us a while to get through this. So talk to sure. We'll have plenty to talk about. But uh, okay. T stands for for testing. Right. I've done research in the Stanford Hospital to find out how accurate are shrinks in knowing how patients feel at any moment right? and knowing how the patient feels about the therapist. And the research showed that uh, therapists have almost no ability to know how patients are feeling. Right. The, a- the accuracy, for example, of knowing how depressed someone is, is 3%. Right. That, uh, the uh, knowing how empathic they're they're coming across is nine percent. Wow. The therapist estimate of suicidal urges is zero percent accurate. Wow. The estimate of the patient's anger is zero percent. But therapists don't know this, mm-hmm. uh, so they're like doubly cursed. They don't know what they they're doing, but they don't know that they don't know what they're doing. Right. So we I've developed super accurate brief scales for for depression, suicide. Anxiety, anger, happiness, marital problems, that type of thing. Patients can complete these scales in maybe one minute before the session begins. How are you feeling right now? And then, again, at the end of the session in the waiting room or, you know, online these days, they take them again, how are you feeling now? And then the therapist can see for the first time exactly how effective they were or ineffective in every single therapy session and this is a game changer for psychotherapy. It's like when measurement came in to astronomy hundreds of years ago, and, and astronomy was no longer the projection of the Catholic Church, but a matter of science and mathematical modeling. Well, right now, psychotherapy is like the Catholic Church. It's all these competing cults <laughs> or schools of therapy with the gurus who pretend to know what they're doing. Right. Well, hold on. Hold on. We, we, okay. we, we need to take a break, but we're talking, okay. we're talking to Dr. David Burns. We're talking about his wonderful new book called Feeling Great. Please stay with us. We'll be back with you in just a moment. And welcome back to Health Matters Radio. Dr. Ned Hoke today joined by Dr. David Burns and his wonderful new book called Feeling Great. So we're just getting into the discussion of team. And we just uh, so just keep going, David, if you would. Yeah, sure. So anyway, we, we, you can see for the first time how you're doing in a therapy session. And that led more than anything else led to the new therapy because my, my patients teach me. Right. Every time, if I have 10 patients in a day, that's 10 teachers, and I can see exactly where I screwed up, where I did well, but it, it takes the death of the therapist's ego because you'll often be shocked thinking you had a great therapy session, and then you look at the scores and you find out the patient got worse. Wow. And then you I thought I had horrible therapy sessions and looked at the feedback the patient loved this the, the session, and so you you get you you find out the the truth uh, for the first first time. That's how the testing helps, and then the patient also rates you at the end of the session on how empathic were you, uh, and it's it's a scale that's so sensitive mm-hmm. that that most therapists when they use my empathy scale for the first time with patients, they get a failing grade from every patient mm. in every session. Mm. Mm. And it, it and therapists think wrongly think they're very empathic. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's kind of a blow, but but 
the philosophy of team therapy is that all recovery comes through failure. Mm -hmm. And so we try to fail at every stage of the therapy. And so when I fail in empathy, that's a fantastic thing, because then when I see the patient the next time, I say, wow, I really screwed up. I wasn't uh, tuned in to how you were feeling in, inside, mm -hmm. and I didn't uh, convey warmth and caring. Tell me about that. This is incredibly important. You must be feeling maybe angry, disappointed. Uh, I, I really like you, and it, 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 I feel ashamed to see that I screwed up like that, but I'm excited because we can talk it over and get on the same page and, and hit the ball out of the park, and then that's that's what happens. But but you have to be willing as a therapist uh, to realize that you're 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 not a god and and, and you are gonna gonna screw up and the problem is never the therapist screw ups or mistakes but the but the fact that the, the therapist isn't measuring so you don't even know you're screwing up or or the therapist pride gets in the way so you get ashamed or you don't want to talk about it or you get defensive but the, uh, if you don't fall into those traps. When you fail a patient, nothing could be better because that, then you can really get to a deep level with that patient. So that that's the measurement for it. That's the T of the T E A M. Right, right. Well, just just it, it's it's remarkable to hear you say what you say because, of course, the very thing that all of us as therapists run up against is that very issue, which is how are we doing? And and as exactly as you say, now not many therapists that I know, in fact very seldom anybody that I know has a, any kind of scaling. And so your background in statistics, of course, has certainly given you a whole different set of tools to work with. So um, you, you are, are, are unique, kind of a unique critter in this, in this area. So keep, keep going with the team because there's more to go there. Yeah, well, the the E, uh, and we could talk about measurement all day, but people want to hear about the whole thing. Sure. The E is is empathy, and and uh, I, I use very rigorous empathy training techniques for for therapists, so that when you do get failing grades from your patients, and and most therapists, that's going to be most most of the time at first. You you can find you use for example the five secrets of effective communication, and and you can use these for relationship conflicts too with your with your partner your spouse your son your daughter but there's like these five secrets of effective communication there's the disarming technique thought and feeling empathy inquiry i feel statements and and uh, uh, stroking and if you use and it's hard to learn them you know therapists really have to be commi committed to this new way of communicating when you're in conflict with someone, like the disarming technique means seeing that what the patient is saying or your spouse uh, is absolutely true, seeing that their criticism of you is absolutely true, and humbly acknowledging that truth rather than getting defensive or, or arguing. Mm -hmm. And and it, it, it's, it's really, really mind-blowing uh, when a therapist learns how to do it, because you can turn therapeutic failure in, into therapeutic success with, with with these techniques. But the hardest one I ever had, the worst criticism I ever had from from a patient was this woman with a severe uh, what's called borderline personality disorder. You you may be familiar with it, but it's this extremely uh, extreme form of de depression where the patients are making frequent suicide threats and, and, uh, and the therapists dread working with these patients because they can be very 
challenging and disturbing. And I was working so hard for this woman who she'd had, you know, childhood uh, sexual abuse and she was horribly depressed and suicidal. And, you know, I, 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 don't, I never had a patient I worked harder for than her. And once in a session, uh, she says, Dr. Burns, uh, I, I just want you to know that the therapy you're giving is worse than the incest I endured <laughs> as a child. Oh, my God. And it was horrible to hear that. I got so angry, but I didn't say anything. Oh, my God. But I had the urge to kill her. I was so angry, and I felt so so hurt, but I, I didn't blow it. I just kind of endured to the end of the session. And then on the weekend, I, was, I have a jogging trail. I used to go on with a colleague, Tony Bates from Ireland, and we'd discuss cases, but he, he couldn't come that day. So I was just jogging alone. And I said, now remember, David, you've got to find truth in, in what she said, right. the disarming technique. Right. And then I would shout out, there isn't any truth in it. <laughs> She's always blaming others, and right. I've given everything for, for, for her. And then I'd say, oh, David, now you're getting defensive. Try to see the truth in what, what she's saying. And I, I ran four miles, and then it suddenly hit me like lightning. Mm-hmm. And I understood what she'd been trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. And when I saw her the, for the next session, I said, let me say at the, at the top, that what you said last session was so hurtful to me, and I was so angry with you, and and I and I and I got very defensive in my mind, and and, and thought, gosh, I've worked so hard for you, and then you go and say a horrible thing like that uh, to, to me. It's it's wrong and it's it's unfair. But on the weekend, I, I was jogging, trying to figure out what you meant, and then it hit me, and and I'll tell you what I think you meant. And and it, 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 I felt really ashamed when I when I suddenly saw what 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 I think. Hello, am I back? Yep, you're here. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. The phone started ringing, so I unplugged it, thinking I was on Zoom. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I said I, I think what you're trying to tell me. You said when you were little, your brothers abused you. And your parents didn't believe you. No, there was no one there to help you, and that your whole life, no one's ever ever believed you. And people have exploited you, and you're saying that I've been exploiting you, and I realize that's true because I've been trying to impress you with these wonderful techniques I've developed, mm-hmm. and I haven't really been giving you a chance to talk and to share your anger and your hurt and how devastating your life has been. Mm-hmm. And that you've been feeling, you know, lonely and almost kind of like abandoned by by me, and and when I saw that, I just I said, oh my gosh, you're you're so right. She's so right. I told myself, and uh, and maybe you can tell me if I am right, if I have failed you in that way, and and what it's been like, and how angry you feel, and how devastated and how hurt and how sad and how disappointed and how alone mm-hmm. you, you 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 might be feeling and then she 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 started sobbing and uh it, and it just brought us so close together and we continued to work together and, and i found a technique that that worked fantastic for her and she recovered completely um and got over her depression and got back to joy but she later told me that that moment when I had found truth in her criticism, that was the moment that changed her life. And and, and that's the paradox uh, called the disarming technique. When you agree that you failed, you're, you're no longer failing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you agree with the criticism genuinely, 
the critic will stop believing the criticism, but when you defend yourself, you'll prove that the critic is, is right. So that's just one of the five, the five empathy techniques, but it's crucial to, to get perfect empathy with, with patients. So empathy isn't much good for anything. Uh, it, it won't cure anyone of anything. It won't cure OCD. It won't cure depression. It won't cure a mar- marital problem. Uh, but it, it does create the trust, the warmth, the, the laughter sometimes, the connection with the patient. So when you come in to use incredibly powerful techniques, the patient will trust you, and 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 you'll be able to make those those techniques uh, effective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's the uh, the E. Okay. The uh, A is the really new part of of team uh, therapy that distinguishes it from conventional cognitive therapy and almost all other forms of psychotherapy. And that's where we bring the patient's resistance to conscious awareness and then melt it away. I I, I have to admit I love that when I looked at that. And I thought, here is a a really positive way of of, of looking at secondary gains. Yeah. You know, in a way that I, I never... Come heard anything like that, and you you really is this really is new territory at least for me. Yeah, so, I think it is for almost everyone, and, and right. most therapists are unable to to learn it. Right, because they're so used to fixing broken people. <laughs> right, and they can't give that up. They want to have that superior relationship with 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 the patient, but right. it, it right. it's 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 mind it's mind boggling, and it's it almost feel shameful because it makes therapy so easy now because it takes about 25 minutes to bring the patient's resistance to conscious awareness and 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 make it more or less disappear and once you do that almost any technique you use is going to have a high chance of 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 success but maybe we can give an example of how this works because most most listeners won't understand what we're saying right um uh, a simple example would be a woman I treated in front of a uh, live audience. I had never met her, but uh, nine years earlier when her daughter, and this story is in the book, Feeling Great, uh, it's a, there's a chapter on it, but when when her, her daughter was 12 and said, Mommy, can I go out and play uh, after dinner? And she was a little reluctant, but this thing and it's cold out or something. Say, so, yeah, just take take your coat. And then her daughter went outside, and uh, some neighborhood boys, two boys, snuck up on her, and they had a loaded high-powered pellet rifle mm. and aimed it at her face from a foot away and pulled the trigger. Mm. And this pellet hit one of her teeth, which exploded, and and it did mm. a lot of uh, damage to her her mouth and face. She ran inside screaming, with blood gushing out of her mouth, and. This led to nine years of uh, surgeries for the daughter to try to repair the, the damage mm-hmm. and nine years of treatment for her daughter for PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder right. treatment, which was not successful. And and so uh, Karen, the, the mother, volunteered you know, to be the patient at a live workshop, and she was... Uh, with the brief scales, extremely severe. She was as severe as an inpatient in the, at the Stanford Hospital, but she looked chipper and happy on the outside until she started talking about this event, and then she started mm-hmm. sobbing. But um, her, she was telling her, you see, the cognitive model is that 
traumatic event, horrible as it was, is not the cause of Karen's depression and guilt and shame and, and anger and hopelessness. It's her distorted thoughts, the, the, the messages she's giving herself. And she was telling herself things like, I'm a failure as a mother. I never should have let her go out and play that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people in this audience probably also uh, feel like I'm a failure as a mother, and they're probably judging me. And uh, I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life trying to make it up to my daughter. She had about eight eight thoughts like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how we're doing on time. Well, uh, we're going to need to take a break in about two minutes. So Okay, yeah, well, sure. So before I tried to help her dis- uh, straighten out those distorted thoughts, uh, uh, it, because that's the key to recovery. It's crushing those wrong messages you're giving yourself. Although she didn't realize these thoughts were distorted, they they felt 100% true to her. But but to to say, let's see what these negative thoughts and feelings show about you. That's positive and awesome. Wow. And and what are some benefits to you of these negative thoughts and feelings? Because before we make everything disappear, that's what she wanted, all of her thoughts and feelings to disappear. We better see what we're going to make disappear. Right. And then uh, we we went through each of her neg- <laughs> negative feelings. Like, right. you know, you're, you're 90% depressed, and so you want to be happy. Here's a magic button. You press it, and you, you're, you'll be euphoric. Is that what you want? You, you want to be happy and euphoric about the fact that your daughter is still struggling tremendously from this traumatic incident. And she said, oh, no, that would be terrible. I said, exactly. So what does your sadness and depression show about you mm-hmm. that's positive and awesome? She said, oh, well, I, I guess it, it's an expression of my love for my daughter. Mm-hmm. You see, so it's not a chemical imbalance in her brain. <laughs> it, it, it's something beautiful. And that's, we're, that's a wonderful place to take another break. We'll be back with you in just a moment. We're talking to Dr. David Burns and his wonderful new book called Feeling Great, A Revolutionary New Treatment for Depression and Anxiety. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to Health Matters Radio. Dr. Ned Hoke today joined by Dr. David Burns and his wonderful new book called Feeling Great, The Revolutionary New Treatment for Depression and Anxiety. So, we were just into the the A part of the team, and we were having this discussion. And you were saying this woman was you led; she was being led to realize that there was something in her, in, in there was some strength and and some meaning in her in her feelings that yeah. that, that, that that were not being explored. And you yeah, have yes, exactly. And and take for example, um, she felt defective and inadequate. And she was telling herself, I'm a failure as a mother. Right. So the psychiatrist would say, oh, this is a chemical imbalance in your brain. <laughs> and right. so you need pills to correct it. Right. And so I said, now, what, what, are, what is your guilt and shame and telling yourself you're a failure as a mother and feeling defective? What does that show about you that's positive and awesome and your core values? And what are some tremendous advantages and benefits of having those feelings? And she was, again, stumped at first. How can there be anything good about my guilt and shame and feeling like a failure? And then she said, well, maybe it shows that I have high standards. And I said, exactly. Do you have high standards? She says, I absolutely do. I said, is that a good thing? She says, absolutely. I do everything I can uh, for my daughter. 
I, I went and got a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. Mm-hmm. I, I've got a, a, a great career. So I have high standards, and they've motivated me to accomplish great things. Okay, what else does that self-criticism show about you? And we came up with five or six more things, like it shows that she's a very humble person, mm. and, and she's very religious. And that's a spiritual quality. And, and it also shows that, that she's very honest, because she has many flaws and shortcomings, and she's owning up to that. She's saying, I'm defective. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed. I, I have failures. Uh, it also shows she's accountable rather than blaming the world. She's, mm-hmm. she's saying the buck stops here. I'm going to look at what I might have done that mm-hmm. was incorrect. Or and, 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 and our listeners may not realize how really, really incredible it is to be able to turn this, what had long been felt by this particular woman, but by all of us, for, to turn these, these what we think of our, as sort of evidences of our dark self to see the to, to to find the the jewels in there to find the the the, the appropriate positiveness as you call the positivenesses in and so um, that the the expression of those things and the ability to see that in a different light truly is a remarkable turn of events in terms of the whole nature of one's self perception so please please keep going on yeah well we did that with all of our negative feelings i won't go into the details but right. they were similar like her anger Show that she's like a mama bear, right. protecting her cubs, and it's justified anger because the, the parents of those boys never let should have let them go out playing with a loaded rifle, right? Uh, and uh, her her hopelessness protects her from di- from disappointment. Uh, her 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 anxiety makes her vigilant so to protect to protect her daughter. Together we came up with a list of 25 completely unique things that her negative thoughts and feelings showed about her that, that were positive and awesome. Her fear that the audience was judging her showed that she desired a close relationship with the audience and that she didn't want to be hiding these feelings and shame anymore. She wanted to be open with people, right. and 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 then once that was done, uh, she's now really responsive to techniques to blow away her her negative thoughts, and uh, and just to show you how one of them worked, she had this thought: the the people in the audience are probably judging me and thinking I'm a bad mother. And I said, well, you know, one technique we could use that, that, that you're just, she saw the distortions there. It's, it's like mind reading. She's assuming what others think without evidence. And fortune telling, she's, she's predicting that if, if she talked to these people, they, they wouldn't like her. And, and I said, now, um, could we, you know, I use over 100 techniques I've developed for crushing negative thoughts. I said, one is called the experimental technique. Could we do an experiment? and find out how the people in the audience feel about you. Mm-hmm. And she got really scared and said, I, I suppose I, <laughs> I could ask them. And I said, Do you, uh, is that frightening? She says, that's terrifying. And furthermore, I don't think they tell me the truth. They'll just blow smoke in my face and tell me what they think I want to hear. And I said, well, there's another uh, prediction you're making. We don't know that they won't be honest with you. 
maybe you could ask them if they're judging you, and then you could ask them if they're uh, lying or telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I think I'm going to do it. And so she grabbed the <laughs> microphone and she said, I, some of you come up here to the microphone because I want to ask you. And about 10 people rushed up in a line and she asked wow. them one by one, wow. are you judging me? What do you think about me? Mm-hmm. And this was very, very frightening for her because she was certain that they were looking down on her. And one by one, they 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 would respond to her with tears going down their cheeks saying, Karen, you're my hero to to get up in front of a group and share something so intimate. I I just admire you tremendously. I just think you're a a fantastic mother. And she could not believe her ears, and it was person after person, and each time they said something like that, she she broke down sobbing. She but it was like tears of joy. She it was it, it blew her mind. And at the end of the session that was just one of a number of techniques but to to give you an example and then her her negative feelings went from like 90 to 100 range mm-hmm. to zero mm-hmm. they didn't get improvement they they completely disappeared and then she estimated that her guilt had gone from plus 90 to minus a thousand mm-hmm. <laughs> and she estimated her frustration and yeah. stuckness had gone from plus a hundred to minus a million. Now what our listeners don't know and that what I do know is that, is that what you've got is a checklist for a lot of this stuff. So in other words, yeah. so what, what people do when they come in and into your office, the first thing they do, they talk about their feet, they write down, they actually have a, 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 a series of questions that they answer. And then we actually, you did say at this, the beginning of our session today, you said that, that that's what they you do with your patients. That when they come in, they 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 have a checklist, and then when they leave, they have a checklist. And so that yeah. you, you see how you did. So I just want to remind our listeners that that what you're talking, what Dave is talking about now, is again a, a sort of a following up to that whole kind of checklist uh, kind of strategy. And what yeah. your, what your book is rich in is in all kinds of different ways is different ways of working that checklist. Yeah. And and are are you expecting are you are you anticipating this book is going to be used by people are people going to be taking Xerox copies of the checklist they're going to be making how how are people that the the average citizen not not your not the not the therapist but the average citizen who 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 sees the the, the advantage of what you're offering here how are they going to effectual effectually Effectively, I meant to say, effectively well, use the the checklist system. How are you advising them that they that they do that? Yeah, well, it's in the book. It's kind of step by step. I urge them to. They can fill it out in the book, or they can go to my website, feelinggood.com. There's a link, and then they can find some of the tools there, and they can okay. you know print those and, and and write on them there. But I I, I do expect that. Just reading, I don't think is going to cure somebody, right, but right. but use doing the exercises, I think, will have a antidepressant effects. Research on my first book, Feeling Great, showed that if you hand the book to people with moderate to severe episodes of depression who are coming to a medical center for treatment, right. and you just give them that book, Feeling Good, with no other treatment, 50 to 65% of them will be recovered in four weeks with wow. no pills, no psychotherapy, no, no nothing. I'm hopeful that the new book, my goal with the new book was to write a book that will be even more effective because the new techniques, I have powerful new techniques now that I didn't have. Right. But they've got to read them. I, I got an email. They've got to do the exercises 
uh, you know, there's no free lunch. Right. <laughs> You've got to put in some effort. I got an email about a week ago from, uh, and I've been getting fantastic reviews on Amazon from people who are saying this cured me, this helped me, this. And I'm just really grateful for the things that people are saying. But sure. this fellow wrote from, I don't know, he was from Africa or someplace, and, and he said, I, I, I skimmed through your new book. I've been depressed for 41 years. Mm-hmm. I haven't had one moment of happiness, and the book did nothing for me. It's <laughs> okay. uh, as bad at the end as I was at the beginning. Okay, But then I remembered that you said you have to do the exercises. Right. So I went back and I started to do one of the exercises and I suddenly realized that I was talking to myself in a loving and respectful way mm. for the first time in my life. Mm. And my depression completely disappeared. Wow. And I'm feeling joy wow. for the first time in my life. God bless you, Dr. Burns. And that's what I'm hoping will be the experience of many people who who read feeling great and and do the exercises they're not hard but people do resist doing uh, written exercises right and uh, and and you've got to do it if if you want to get the uh, get the good so to speak if you want the want the results. So I'm, bra- I'm also I'm also working on an app that's not ready yet, although you can go to my website, feelinggood.com forward slash app and be a beta tester. But I'm all I'll also have an electronic interactive version of of uh, you I'm, know feeling great. I'm really happy to hear that because what I really want our listeners to be able to do is to go right away from listening to our conversation, go right away someplace where they can actually begin the process, whether they have the book at hand but you're saying that what they what you have available on your feelinggood.com website is some of the steps. So can you can you walk us through a little bit of what you've got at feelinggood.com to get well, some of our well, listeners? Well, there's just there's tons of stuff. There's tons of resources. And by the way, I'm about to put out an email. The, the uh, publisher's offering a 15% discount for the holidays. You know, okay. the gift of happiness. Sure. And uh, to, if you want to buy Feeling Great at a discount. But I've got free stuff there for people. I've had over 200 podcasts, Feeling Good podcasts, with my host, Rhonda Borofsky. And they're also to help people overcome your own depression and anxiety, as well as therapists who want to learn these techniques. I also have a free depression class. I think there's 18 classes, mm-hmm. uh, roughly uh, an hour each class. It's entirely free of charge. You just go to the website. You, you, you'll get a, uh, test your depression. You'll get an interpretation, and you can take this uh, free class if you want. There's a free anxiety class as well. You can, you know, see how anxious you are and get an interpretation of your score. Uh, there's, uh, you know, blogs, uh, feeling good blogs. Right. Uh, no, the, the, just... the website is extraordinarily rich, and that's. I guess I want our listeners to realize how really truly rich it is and how really it is operational today i mean you don't have to wait for the book to come hopefully you'll buy the book but if even if you don't there's a, there's plenty there at feelinggood.com so now uh, david we're in a very very tough time now in terms of our country in terms of our our situation with the pandemic and all that that represents and so now i i would be remiss to not ask you to give our listeners some guidance and some support some steps that they might be able to take to deal with and begin to sort of confront 
their anxiety vis-a-vis the pandemic, yeah. vis-a-vis all that is. Because I think we're we're right now we're right up. We're, many many people are right up against it, and and so give us some guidance if you would. Well, uh, yeah, and that's one of the reasons I, I put free all the free resources. Almost everything on my website is free because I know people not only in the U.S. but world around, around the world can't can't afford therapy, or even if you can afford it, you can't get any good right. good Exa- therapy. Exactly. But uh, the uh, I I've, uh, the, the great thing about this model uh, that your thoughts and not reality cr- create your feelings, and so if someone's depressed and anxious. It's still because of these these distorted thoughts, and when you change the way you think, you can change the way you feel. And to prove it, I've, I have a, a special series on my Feeling Good podcast called Corona Casts. Ah, good. And, oh, good. And there's about eight of them, and I I treat people live, so you can actually hear people being treated who have what they feel are Corona related depression or anxiety or, or, or whatever. Right. And in all of them, uh, they've recovered completely in just one session. And then on the Feeling Good podcast, you can hear people who were cured, uh, you know, in three minutes from severe obsessive compulsive disorder or panic di- di- disorder or, 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 or depression. There's uh, there's probably another 10 or 15 live therapy sessions that you can hear on the Feeling Good podcast. So people don't have to believe what I'm saying. They say, oh, he says he can cure people in, 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 a, in an hour and a half or two hours. That's BS. I hear that a lot from people. I say, well, go and listen. That's 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 proof. That, that That's why I publish these, so you can actually hear right. people. Now, now I, but I can hear people also say, you know, the, 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 the this could be kind of like a passing thing. In other words, you could have a sort of a, a mind redirect, you might say, you might yeah. have a re, re sort of be able to see things in a fresh new light, but tomorrow morning when you get up, well, so so give our listeners some guidance in terms yeah, of how exactly. to how to so, how to yeah that's that's so important. By the way, I'll give you the follow up on Karen who we talked about. Right, she went home after that session and told her daughter, and they listened to it because a, a colleague videoed it and gave me the video, so I I gave it to her, uh-huh. and they then they watched it together and her daughter didn't know she'd been depressed and then her daughter recovered all of a sudden wow and now she's gone to graduate school she's a clinical social worker she's married and she's doing great and that was four and a half years ago praise the lord and karen says she hasn't had another minute of therapy it was a life transforming experience but what i tell people is once they've had this dramatic recovery and there's a chapter on this and feeling good called feeling uh Feeling great for good, and it's on relapse prevention training. Thank you, and the, thank idea, you. the idea is that once your negative thoughts and feelings have disappeared and you're euphoric, I can give you a hundred percent guarantee you're going to relapse. Right. And it'll be in three hours or three minutes or three days or three three months, but it is going to happen. And so then I I do relapse prevention training, which takes maybe 25 minutes. Okay. I prepare the patient, and you just have to know that whatever your original thought was, like I'm a bad mother, or I'm I'm not good enough, or I'm a failure as a human being, or what whatever, or I'm I can't be happy because I'm not successful enough, or because I was rejected by my wife or or my husband. Whatever those thoughts are, they'll they'll come back again, and always be the same thing. And the technique that worked for you the first time will always work for you. Mm-hmm. So you have to know uh, that. Uh, it, so you'll that 
how to use that technique again. I have over 100 techniques, but what works for one person is different from the one that works for another person. But once you find the technique that works for you, it'll always work. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just prepare the patient, and then I also have them talk back to the thoughts they have during the relapse. Like you're going to tell yourself, oh, I'm depressed again. The therapy didn't work. The therapy was just a Band-Aid. Right. I'm really worthless after all. <laughs> right. This pro- proves I'm hopeless. And then we role-play those techniques, right. uh, at playing the two parts of the patient's mind, mm-hmm. the negative part and the positive. And we just keep doing role reversals until the patient can knock all those thoughts out of the park. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I record that, too, and then say, now, when you relapse, play the, this recording. Uh, and then if it doesn't help, uh, I, I, I tell all of my patients, I'll give you a lifetime money-back guarantee. Wow. And I'll give you unlimited free tune-ups for the rest of your life. Wow. And only in my whole career, I've had over 40,000 hours of therapy <laughs> sessions. I've only had maybe eight or ten patients who ever came back for a relapse. And I always tell them, I hope you relapse, because if you don't, I'll never see you again. Right. And I just, I like you so much. Uh, but I've had eight or ten who called, uh, and they can still call me from Philadelphia or wherever, and it takes generally 15 minutes to pop them out of a relapse, and then they're on their way again. Well, David, this is a remarkable book and a, and a, a remarkable group of promises that you've made. And so our listeners, I, ur- I urge them to, to go to feelinggood.com and also to pick up this new book called Feeling Great. It was wonderful to have you with us, David. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ned. You were awesome, and uh, it was a real honor and a joy. Have a, have a great one. Have okay. a great holiday. Okay, take care now. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.